Hello, hello! Welcome to episode number 10 of the Joe DeVoe Show. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, but you can call me Joe, and I am here to uplift and support my fellow creatives, lovable weirdos, and makers of magic. And today, today, my friends, I have a very special guest to help me do this. Her name is Judy Wilkins. Smith. She is the author of a new book called Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, A Powerful Guide to Disentangling Multigenerational Patterns. We're talking healing the mother wound, ancestral trauma, multigenerational patterns, all that complicated, interesting, life-shaping stuff through family constellations. If you've never heard that terminology, family constellations, I'm very excited for you because you're about to learn what that is. We actually don't get around to defining what a constellation is until the end of this conversation, but by the time we get there, you will already have a very good sense of what it is just by virtue of the unfolding of this conversation, which I found so magical. Judy is passionate. She is so passionate about her work and fired up to share it with other people that it's contagious. I found myself smiling while editing this interview, which I had to do quite heavily because there were some funky microphone sounds going on, or maybe Zoom sounds. I record on Zoom, but I think I did a pretty good job and that the result is good. There's a couple of little extra noises here and there, but it's nothing too distracting and yay! I'm so excited to get to share this with you. We don't talk about broom, no, 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 no. Everybody listening right now has seen the movie Encanto, correct? You have definitely seen this movie, have you not? I hope you have seen this movie because it is such an incredible gift that the next generation of kids has been given and their parents to be able to talk about scapegoating and healing family patterns, multi-generational patterns, ancestral trauma, all the things that are centered in Judy's work. And so we actually talk a brief moment about that movie. And I have linked in the show notes to an Instagram video that she made on that subject, as well as many other things she does. There is a meditation of the mother that you can download. There is a meditation of the father. And while I know all this work is very deep and serious, the reason it makes me so excited is because of the potential to set yourself free, to finally understand why you do the things you do, why your parents did the things they did, and to heal, heal thyself, to heal thyself. I love modalities like the one that Judy specializes in. It's so powerful to do this kind of work because you are not only healing your own life, you are stopping negative patterns. You are stopping patterns of abuse. You are saying this ends here with me for all future generations. 
And I think this is really important work to be doing individually to impact the collective. I think we can all agree that the world is in trouble. We are constantly fighting with each other online, at family get-togethers. Literal war is happening every time we turn around on our streets in other countries. And it can make you feel helpless. Like, well, what can I, one person, do in the face of all of this conflict? And I think the one thing that each one of us can do is work on healing ourselves and work on exploring the ways that violence may have been passed on to us, may live in the cells of our body, in our language, in the way we treat each other, or the way that we recoil from the world in self-protection. There's so much we can do simply by addressing our own patterns so that when we go out into the world, what we are passing on is something that is counter to all of the outrageous conflict and negativity going on in the world. We get to be a light and the light shines brighter and brighter with every step you take deeper into your healing and freeing yourself of these patterns that are not yours but were passed down to you. And then just to add an extra dash of fun to this episode, I have to talk about last night's full moon eclipse. It was the full moon in Scorpio. It was WESAC. I celebrate WESAC, which is the celebration of Buddha's life, death, and reincarnation. And it was just such a magical, special night. Tanner, my son, and I, we went on a walk to go find the eclipse. And I did not understand when we set out on this walk how amazing this experience would be. I didn't know it would look as cool as it did, but it did. It looked amazing. We saw this gigantic, bright, bright, bright orange disc rising up from the hills already mid-eclipse. And so you could see the whole of the moon and it was dark orange, but then you could just see this crescent moon kind of sliver of bright, bright light on the edge. And as we walked, we got to watch the whole eclipse unfold. It was incredible. And the most fun part about it was talking to strangers, waking up the neighborhood. There was this one moment where we were stopped and I was trying to take a picture. My phone is not that great and the camera on it is not that strong. And I was trying to get a picture of the moon and I saw this mom and her two daughters leave their apartment from across the street. And I was so excited. I yelled at the little girls. I was like, have you seen the eclipse? And they're like, no, what What are you talking about? And the mom and her kids walked across the street to join me and Tanner. And they were so excited and thanking me for showing them. And then this woman that was in her yard a couple doors down, she came and joined us. And then other people left their apartments to come and join us. And we had a little crowd and everybody was so excited to watch this together. And then as we proceeded on our walk, I just stopped every stranger on the street to be like, look up, look at it, it's an eclipse, isn't it amazing? And not one person was rude to me, every single person stopped and they were so excited. (laughs) If you don't know my son Tanner, he has autism 
And one of the ways that manifests for him is he just jumps up and down, especially when he's having fun. And the way that strangers interact with him when he's in that space is so sweet. It was just infectious. Everybody was just smiling ear to ear and laughing. Our neighborhood is largely Armenian and Mexican, so a lot of these people did not speak English because we have a lot of first-generation Americans here in our neighborhood. But the excitement of the eclipse transcends language, and we are all just able to have this moment together just having fun, just smiling and laughing and having this moment in nature, which had nothing to do with the Internet which made it even more special, I think. And as we were walking home, I kept thinking, you know what? I don't know who these people are. I don't know their politics. I don't know their story. I don't know anything about them. And yet we were able to share this really beautiful moment and our hearts were open. And it was a moment of connection. And it really got me thinking like, how do we create more moments like this? How do we bring people together instead of pushing them apart? And again, I'll bring this back to Judy's work. And that is to me, to start with ourselves, to start with ourselves and to heal the part of ourselves that others, other people, the othering of the others, the part of us that does that, the part of us that constantly must divide and separate and judge and even internally commit these tiny little microaggressions in our own thoughts and minds that further isolate us and further keep us trapped in these old weird patterns that again may not even be ours it may just be some old program that was conditioned into us and it was done so early in life that we didn't even have a choice in the matter and so it's wonderful as adults to be able to then re-examine that and say, is this who I am? Is this who I am? Do I want this thing that was passed on to me? Or is there a better way to be? So that's actually a lot of projection. That's my own take on things. I'm not trying to put words in Judy's mouth, Judy Wilkins-Smith, but I do love that her work facilitates that to some degree and that she has this active model that she uses. So without any further ado, Let me introduce you to Judy and she can tell you in her own words what it is that she does. Hello, Judy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Diana. It's lovely to be with you this morning. I'm looking forward to shared time together. I'm really excited to get to introduce your work to my audience. I have a feeling they might be as new to your work as I am, which is fun. It's exciting. But we are generally a crowd who is enthusiastic about ideas like healing our ancestral line, breaking generational chains and the proverbial family curse and getting to a point in your life where you say this pattern, this pattern of thought, this pattern of emotion and behavior stops with me. And that's what your work facilitates. So can you tell us just kind of the tagline for what it is you do before we get started here? Yeah, sure. It's emotional DNA. So it's a little bit of what you said. It's you don't just inherit your physical DNA. You also inherit your emotional DNA. But there are a couple of things around that. You can change your emotional DNA and you inherit it precisely to be able to use it to transform. 
that's the most exciting thing about your work, in my opinion, because you frame it as these pain points. I don't think you use that terminology, but they're really gifts and they contain clues and they're actually here in service to you. Absolutely. You're on a big life adventure and you're actually looking to elevate, elevate, elevate. You, you're wanting to go to that next level and be everything, every bit of you that you can be. And we're so often told you can't be, you shouldn't, you wouldn't, you know, all of those lovely little don'ts, can'ts, won'ts. And that's, that's only half of your language. There's another half. And we wire that into our brain so that we think, by the way, that we have to suffer and we have to struggle and we're not good enough. And that's, that's half of your language. But the other half of what I call your, your hidden language is that you're quite capable. Of course you can. Yes, you could do what you want to. Let's go and do it. You're incredibly capable of creating a remarkable life. Absolutely. One of my favorite affirmations is I can handle it. I can handle it. And it's come from doing some similar work to what you share with people. And I love the way you teach is so experiential. Yes, it is. And I like what you said about I can handle it. I think the similar one in, in my world is uh, life is a place called life is the game called figure it out. Mm. Yeah, and it is highly experiential. If if you're at a live event with me, what you would see is we would set up versions of the pattern that you carry in your body and in your head. We set that up in front of you in 3D using live representatives or floor anchors. And then you get to explore that pattern in 3D. And the beauty of that is now you're not just trying to figure things out in your head. You can actually see when you set it up in front of you who's close to whom, who's engaged, who's not engaged, who's distant, who's looking away, where are they looking? What is that about? Why do you feel not seen? If the attention wasn't on you, where was it? So there is so much information in that piece that we set up and you can see the relationships between all of the different parts of the system. And seeing that you begin to have very different insights and understandings. And you also begin to, to understand very clearly that words, feelings, patterns matter. You use them to create what you call the truth, but it's not the truth. It's only your truth. And you can change that anytime you want to. And when you do, you're no longer living ancient history. Now you're truly present and creating an authentic future. That is so exciting. I recently did a mastermind and I was the main person speaking, but I could see people's reactions. And I said something about, you know, your truth is not the same as my truth. And we all have a different truth. And I saw the looks on their faces. Some people were like, what? <laughs> and oh, yeah. so can you unpack that a little bit? What do you mean your truth is not the truth? Yeah, you, you look at it and you go, you know what? I'm stupid, I'm incapable, and I'm unlovable. That's the way it is. It's the truth. No, let's unpack your family system and ask you things like, when did you make that choice? What was happening in your life at the time? Who told you that? What made you buy that? Where do you feel that in your body? How does it feel in your body? What if that is not the truth? What if your mother who could not see you, no matter how hard you, you danced in front of her, and so you feel small and insignificant and you know you're not worthy in relationships, 
What if she was entangled somewhere else? What if her attention was somewhere else? What if it's not that you are insignificant, but that she was very busy trying to keep a roof over your head? Bingo, exactly right. So she's trying to keep a roof over your head. You translate that into, I'm not good enough to receive attention. Mm. Nobody will love me. Therefore, I'm not good in relationships. I'm hopeless. Not the truth. I always call it spell making because when you tell yourself something that is powerful and your body says yes, your body and your heart and your gut, and I'm not your brain, your heart, and your gut align. And that becomes a very strong, potent truth for you. But it's not the truth. It's what you've created as the truth. And when we go and look at that, you may find that there is something completely different waiting for you to go, oh, I'm rather nice. Mom wasn't available because she was putting a roof over my head. I became independent and resilient. I'm a pretty good catch. Yes. So we buy spells from ourselves. And so you want to be really careful about the spell you're casting on yourself. I do it intentionally. There are many different definitions yes. for, ma for magic, but my preferred approach to magic is to cast spells on myself and to break old spells. And you literally talk about that in your work. It's really fun that you frame it that way, especially for this audience, because we love magic. After family, magic is my number one value. And it's the magic of the soul. We actually all have that magic. We were raised with that magic and then we forgot that magic. And it, it still lives in our words, in our feelings, in our actions. The problem is we're not always very kind with the magic that we use on ourselves or others. Right. Yeah. This is a good opportunity to dive a little bit into your past and what makes you you. Because I'd love to go back to this idea of magic and your connection with Disney. <laughs> yes, so that's one of my favorite things to talk about. When I look, I grew up reading in in the UK. I think it was called Enid Blyton. I'm from South Africa, but they had these Enid Blyton books, and they were all about magic. And I grew up reading magic and watching Disney. And Wait, so you were born in South Africa? Born and in raised... South Africa. And then raised in the UK? No, the books came from the UK. I'm oh, born and raised South African. Okay, okay. Yeah. So reading the books and one day, I think I'm about nine or 10 and I hear the news that Disney has died. And I, I can still remember sitting in a white car driving down the road in Port Elizabeth in South Africa, crying, saying, now who's going to make the magic? And everybody mm. laughed at me and, and didn't say much. And I said, well, if nobody else will, I'm going to. And so that piece has followed me all around. In fact, if you see me, I wear a, a Mickey Mouse necklace. It's a very subtle but elegant Mickey Mouse necklace. So magic is, is very familiar to me, but it is the magic of the soul. And it is, it is potent. It's potent. I'm a movie magic lover. I love you go. I love Encanto. And ah. talk about, I mean, that is literally a movie of your work. It is. I'm so glad you brought that up too, because I'm actually doing a TikTok series about Encanto at the moment. Oh, fun. I will link to that. Please do. And what she, she says three times, this is my family constellation, which is based on the work that I do. 
um, or my work is based on family constellations rather. Mm -hmm. But she talks and she actually does a constellation for people who know this work. She does two, in fact. And she does a whole number of aspects of a constellation. But right near the end, where things seem to be so difficult, she looks at Abuela and she says, I see you. And that is, I mean, I've got goosebumps talking about it. When you do that in this work, anytime anybody is excluded from your family, not only do you cut yourself off from the source of all the information that you need, but systems don't like it. So what they do is, let's suppose your great-grandmother was excluded. The essence of, of her life and her patterns will keep cycling down and getting stronger and stronger through the generations until somebody sees that and re-members her and gives her her place. Mm. And this is one of the basic understandings of this work is everybody has a place. It belongs to you. You cannot not belong. And so Mirabelle, when she's talking to Abuela, she says, I see you and I see what it cost you. And I see what you had to do. And the minute she does that, she changes everything because she undoes that entanglement or, or spell. Suddenly Mirabelle can see she's not the one without magic. She's always had it. Mirabelle is the seer. She's the one who pulls Bruno back in. <laughs> She's the one who sees Abuela. And when she does, and by the way, Antonio knows that because when he goes to go and open his door, he looks at her and he says to her, come with me. I can't do it without you. This is deeply systemic. He knows if he ignores her, he can't move. Mm. She knows if she doesn't bring Bruno back in and ignores Abuela, she will never see her own magic because she's going to be entangled with the event that happened that caused all of those thoughts, feelings, and actions for Abuela and for all of the ones who come after, like Luis, who holds the family burdens. And the we don't talk about Bruno is the synonym for what else don't we talk about in our families or ourselves? There is so much in the movie. So much about scapegoating. The reason I giggled a little bit is I felt my emotions rising. That movie got such an emotional reaction out of me. And I know quite a few people listening right now believe you can heal your ancestors doing work like this. I think that's a lovely idea, but I know for sure we can, at the very least, heal those ancestral patterns and it can stop with us so we don't pass so, it on to future generations. Yeah, so let me tackle that one because I know what they're saying. Yes, you can and do, and this is how. Think about Abuela, who was not particularly loved at stages because she was so dominant. For people who maybe somebody hasn't seen that movie. Okay, let's, let, yes. Okay, so Abuela story. is the grandmother in the story. Okay. And she insists on perfection because if people aren't perfect, everything's going to fall down. And this mm. is a commonly held thing. When, when we've had a big event in the family, we become control freaks because we don't want the terrible thing to happen, yeah. except that it's already happened. And we've survived it, by the way. But she is looked at and everybody's like, oh, she was too strict and she was too this. 
love. The minute Mirabelle says to her, I see you, she actually recasts her grandmother as the hero. And in fact, is a bit of a hidden hero. That makes me want to cry. That makes me want to cry, Judy. (laughs) Yeah. If Abuela hadn't stood up when she did and hadn't dug in when she did, nobody would have gotten the gifts. She is the holder of those gifts. And so often we see this. I've just written a, a piece recently about a girl who came in very ashamed, head down, couldn't speak to the group at all. And she was ashamed because her mother was a prostitute. And she said, I don't know what to do with this. I'm a professor in a, in a big university and I can't hold my head up. And the story was that this mother, mother's mother had died when she was very little. Mm. And she went, the mother went to the, the sisters and said to her, she was about four, I'm so hungry. And the sister said to her, lift your skirts and the man will always feed you. And so we set up the constellation and I said to this, this woman, do you realize what it took your mother to survive? Do you realize what it took her to be able to put all of you through college and marry a man and herself have a decent life? You look at her as a prostitute. What is she really? And she said, oh, my God, my mother's a hero. Judy, are you trying to make me cry? (laughs) And this is what happens when we look at the things people did and we look at the backstory and where they came from. We realize that these thugs and pirates and baddies are often not that. And when we can give that a place in our hearts, of course, it gives them a very different look and perspective, and it gives us a different one. And so, yes, of course, it heals the ancestors. There's a popular mantra. I'm not really sure how to frame it. That's been going around in the last year or so that says, I forgive myself for the things I did when I was just trying to survive. And I love when I consider this work, I can also say, I forgive my parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents for doing what they did when they were just trying to survive. So, yeah, and I would phrase it a teeny bit differently. Forgive can make us feel too big sometimes, because if you've got to forgive a parent or a grandparent, It makes you big and it makes them small, which means you can't receive what you need from them. However, when you look and you say, I understand, Mm. I acknowledge, I so acknowledge you for hanging in there when times were tough. I see what you had to do and it is precious. Wow, this is so powerful. Let me say before we get too far into this that you have a book called Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint that is excellent and carefully outlines everything we're going to be talking about today and more. I really want people to check that out, Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint. Can we even go back further maybe to the guy who started all of this? Because his story is really interesting and how it loops into your story because I know he brought this work to Zulu tribes in an attempt to introduce them to Christianity and so-called civilized thinking. And then they ended up schooling him and teaching him 
some really interesting things when he noticed that they had none of the symptoms of neuroses that our so-called civilized society has. And I think that's such an interesting piece. Yes, and, and there's a very strong and I suppose synchronous connection mm -hmm. because yes, he always, this is Bert Hellinger and he always says he went to go and tame the Zulu tribe and in turn got tamed by them. And yes, they were people or one of the tribes in South Africa and many of the, of the indigenous tribes, when something is going wrong, but the Zulus are, are known for that and because of Bert, of course, they go and look into their system or their ancestry to see what is not happy, what is not settled. That's profound because what's happening is they're looking at the family system and they know that something is being excluded and not looked at. And they also know that until we do, we will keep repeating it because over time, details of the events that have created the reactions fade, but the symptoms get louder. When I was in South Africa, I worked in the healthcare arena. And at my farewell, the gentleman who spoke was Zulu. And he said to me, so you're leaving us and that's fine, but one day you're going to find a way to represent us in the world. And I laughed. And of course, I do it every day. It's incredible. When I think about Western society here in the United States specifically and the way we treat our elders and we have so much shame around aging and we prefer just to put those people in a closet and not have to look at them or deal with them. And so much wisdom is lost in that. And then I look at people who really embrace and hold on to their indigenous cultures and they have a completely different approach and they honor their ancestors. To me, that's an open door to be able to do this work. Absolutely is. And not only is ancient wisdom lost, but all of the mechanisms that you need to create your own magic are lost. This is why when people say to me, I have a terrible father or a dreadful mother, I will not acknowledge them. It doesn't make them good or bad, but it cuts them off from all of their clues. Mm. The magic is in the clues of the words, the thoughts, the feelings, the actions. It all begins with events. So we have an event. The event creates a reaction. And it could be anything for you, but it creates a reaction. That creates or sets off thoughts and feelings and actions and reactions that we keep reinforcing, which becomes that, that mindset that then becomes the truth. Now, if you go and look at yours, your chances are very high that you think that you're this individual being who's happened in a vacuum and your thoughts and feelings are just yours. And ha-ha, surprise, no, they're not. If you look, you'll find they go back generations, particularly if you look at something like relationship DNA or money DNA. Your thoughts around both of those didn't just hop out of the fryer. They came out of the mouths and bodies of your ancestors. So if you cut yourself off from that uh, knowledge, you put yourself at a disadvantage. I mean, right there, those are the two biggest issues and invitations to participate in this work, money and relationships. I feel like those are the things that people struggle with the most. And they also project their own fears and insecurities onto other people. So it's always something someone else is doing and it's their problem. Oh, of course, because I mean, and here's, here's the thing. It's nice to blame someone else. The problem with that is you're not looking inside you to see, okay, 
what can I tweak to create the powerhouse that's truly me? Any, if you're doing any of this work, there, there literally isn't the space for victimhood. There is not. You've got to say, what's going on? How is it living in me? How do I want to change this? Okay, where are the clues? Let's go play. There's a chapter in your book called Uncovering the Hidden Gems. Symptoms are gold mines. And there's two follow-up chapters to that too, about tapping into that gold. And I just love that you just said the word symptoms. That's what kind of triggered that off in my mind because this is important or clues. You were talking about clues and these clues show up as these symptoms. Yes, they do. In fact, clues often show up in uh, things that, that really frustrate you, sadden you, you're depressed, you're struggling, you're lost. That's a clue. It's telling you, hey, your box is too small. It's time to move, time to start looking. Now, that often contains the pattern that's trying to stop. In other words, what is it that keeps you stuck? Where do you continually hit a brick wall? Why do you always feel sad? That's the pattern trying to stop. Right next to it is your I wish. I wish, if only it were this way. How would it be for me if I had? It would be so nice if. That's the pattern that's trying very hard to get your attention. It's trying to start through you because it's the chapter that only you can write. But its clues are in the pattern trying to stop. The one is always in service of the other, always. And anytime you're in the middle of a train wreck, congratulations. You're also <laughs> ready to get out of your box. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea that you're stuck for a reason. You've paused there because there's something you need to receive before you can move on. And it's a gift. It's a gift. You say these systems contain clues and they are always, which is a bold statement, they are always in service to you. They are. And, and it's a very clear statement. It's one of my few sort of really, this is it statements. One is that. And the other one is that there is, it doesn't matter how bad the situation, there is gold there. If you're willing to look for it, you're going to be fine. You've got to make a conscious decision, a conscious decision in your worst moments to go looking for the gold because it is there. It does not happen by chance. What is a way that someone can do that alone? I always say to people, sit down, look at whatever's happening to you right now. Write down what you tell yourself about that. Write down what you're feeling about that. Write down what you're making it mean about you and write down what you're making it mean about others. Mm -hmm. Write down the things that you're telling yourself to lock it into place. I will never, I'm not ever going to. Nobody will ever come near me again. I, I won't go out again. I won't show my face. This is too frightening. Bear in mind, what you're telling yourself is what's becoming your truth. You are telling your brain what you need it to know to become your truth. And you're telling your heart and you're telling your gut. And if you tell it powerfully, it's going to lock in for you. You know those affirmations you, you spoke about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The reasons it does or doesn't work is an affirmation will work really well for you if your brain says yes. Your heart says, oh, yes. And your gut goes, oh, yeah. 
if those three align, you've created a state of coherence and now you can lock all of that into your body and it's going to become your new truth. Mm -hmm. It's powerful and you want to use it wisely. Are you familiar with the work of Byron Katie by any chance? I'm aware of it. I'm super aware of it. I feel yes. like that would pair so nicely with the exercise you just explained because you're getting it all out on the page. And then right. she has you challenged. Is this really true? Basically exactly. over and over again till, you know, so you're looking at what you wrote and having a relationship with it and experiencing yes. it, I think. And in an event, what we would do is we would take that and we would create representatives for each part of that. So what are you telling yourself? I'm too stupid. I can't do this. I'm incapable. And we would represent that for you. And then yep. see as you're looking at it and as you're walking with it, where did that come from? Okay, let's bring in mom. What was happening in your life at the time? I had just become a teenager and I was told. And then it, it's a beginning of a challenging of, is this the truth? What mm -hmm. happened to your mom? Oh, well, my mom had something similar happen at 13. Good. So now we know we have a pattern. And the pattern has come to you so that you can do it differently. Mm. Do you find this works in challenging like a worldview and not just our own view of ourselves in terms of like, you know, People suck. The world is a dangerous place. You know, we have those views too of how yes. things are. Yes, I actually write about that. Those are meta patterns. Meta Think patterns. about what we are doing to ourselves when we do that. The world sucks. It's a terrible place. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Why leave your house? <laughs> yes. And so when we do that, we're, we're turning it into the truth. Right. One of the reasons I moved to this beautiful us i will tell you is because it's a can-do country and i don't forget that mm. it's the american dream i do not forget that things are possible here i do not forget that if we stop forgetting that and we start replanting that or reinvesting in that it doesn't take very long before we've turned it around and what we're doing is we're now investing in creating the fun things, the nice things, the encantos, which is, is a beautiful creation. It really is. The Disney worlds, uh, Apple, all of these things were created because people did not go with the world sucks. It's terrible. They went with, I wonder what I can create here. This is a remarkable place. How am I going to play here? So they changed their library of thoughts, feelings, and actions. And if you do that one thought, one feeling, one action at a time, you are rewiring your brain and you're rewiring your body. And now your, your future is no longer the same. Your inevitable, predictable future just changed. Mm. It's interesting. <laughs> I live in a neighborhood of immigrants. Most of the people in my neighborhood are immigrants. They came here from a foreign land and they understand the American dream in a way that many of us who have been here for multiple generations do not. Yep. And the magic that they see in that is infectious. If, if you open your heart to it and see how hard they work, how excited they are to be here, how thrilled they are for their kids. I have some neighbors, a large family living in a tiny, tiny little place behind my house. And 
the dad works like three jobs and collects cans so his son can be a nurse and he's delighted to do it you know yes and I, yes I think because he's in the land of magic and yes. he knows it yes yeah 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 and this is what in this country we really really need to turn that meta pattern back on mm -hmm. you know when i came over and yes there's been a lot that's happened but one of the things I loved the most was the friendliness and the kindness. And it doesn't cost us anything, nothing. It costs us nothing. But if we start to embrace that and we start to talk that language, that is the language of our future. Now we have a very different language to incivility and division. We don't need it anymore. We're, we're creating a language that's big enough to include everybody. So all you've got to do is create a game big enough to include everybody. When I hear you say that, it makes me excited that you are an executive coach and you're working with people in the corporate world because I think when a leader understands these dynamics, it sets a whole different tone for the work environment. And these corporations are large, so I feel like they need you, Judy. <laughs> it well, has a trickle-down effect. If the boss understands this, this work, you know, it yes. sets a completely different tone for everyone else. Absolutely. And yes, I, I work with a lot of C-suite executives and, and legacy families. And people don't get that they are truly remarkable beings if they know how to see it. You know, I keep saying to people, this isn't a game and it is a game. It's, it's not play-play and it's not let's pretend. This is real. And when you get that it's real and it's applicable and it's not rocket science and you can do it and you start changing your patterns, oh my goodness, now you're on an adventure. And at some point you suddenly begin to realize I'm on an adventure and I'm the co-creator of this and I can go as far as I want to. That's when you get to the question that I ask every single client I work with, how big are you willing to be? I have a theater background. So when I hear people talk about, is this pretend? Is this magic? Is this play? I know the power of pretending and using your imagination. So it's exciting that what you do is experiential. You put people in an experience where maybe their imagination is at play and they are being playful, but it's absolutely real. You're having insights, you're having emotional reactions. Do you find people get very emotional when that moment of insight hits? Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you say maybe your imagination is at play, that's a profound statement. You're, a lot of the time your imagination is at work. Mm -hmm. But when it is at play, something very different happens. And yes, what happens in this work is when we're at an event and we're doing a constellation, which is this piece of work, we get to a point where people can see the old pattern and its origins and effects. And you'll see them jolt. You'll see the body jolt when they get what it's cost them. Yeah. And then we begin to work with, so what's possible? And you'll see another jolt. And in that moment, and people often will tell me this, in that moment, they can, they can literally feel themselves rewiring their thoughts, their feelings, their actions. They're changing as fast as the person is standing there. And very often people will say to me, I have been working on this in my life for 20 years. And in an hour and a half, 
everything's changed mm. and it continues to change and it continues to create new neural pathways and new patterns for a long time. And the more you work with it, the more it unpacks as a new language for you. I love that you said cost. That's really important. Like, what is this costing you? And I know that that's language you use. What is this costing you? And then what is the gift? Those, right. two, those two things go hand in hand. Can you kind of explain the experience? Is that something we can verbally walk people through? Gosh, I can, I can certainly give it a shot. So what happens okay. is I have someone who comes in and let's say, for example, she says, I'm not good enough. I'm so not good enough. My mother doesn't see me. I'm therefore not good enough for relationships. I'm not good enough for anything. I struggle. And so we put representatives up for her and for her mother and maybe these are her actual, father. These are people in the room. These are her. people. These are people. And maybe for her sisters or her siblings at any rate. Mm -hmm. And then as I've put them up, she'll place them in relationship to each other the way that it is for her, the way she experiences it. Oh, cool. So she's setting the stage. She's going around she's and being like, you, you stand here, you stand there. That's it. And she'll place them the way that it is for her. Now, we also know that we're very well able to sense into each other's fields. And so sometimes the representatives may turn, they may sit down, they may drop their heads. But let's suppose for a moment we have a mother who looks down, for example. And, and I ask this person, so in your family, are there any miscarriages, stillbirths, abortions, adoptions? And she may say, my mother lost a child before me. I'm the eldest. My mother lost a child. Now, there are two things. So the first thing I'll say to her is, you're not the eldest. Mm. And often that hits them so hard, you'll see them jolt because they've never thought about it, but it hits their body. And the recognition of the truth of that creates a shift. Mm. And so then I'll say, so this one didn't make it. The eldest didn't make it. No. And my mother was never present for me. But the mother, the representative may be looking at the child who didn't make it. And so I will say to her, can you see where your mother's attention may have been? It's not about you. It's not that she didn't want to see you. Her attention was somewhere else. And there's another jolt because suddenly they go, hold on. I've been telling myself I'm not good enough. My mother won't see me. And I'm looking at this and this may not be the truth. And so there's that jolt. And then I, I will we'll talk and we'll ask questions and, and I'll say to them, so how has it been different for you? I've, I've gotten independent. I miss my mom not seeing me, but yeah, I've gotten independent. Can you thank your mother for igniting that in you because she wasn't there? Mm -hmm. And there's that other jolt. Oh my goodness, you mean there is something I can take from my mom? What is your mom like? Well, other than she doesn't see me, she's pretty strong. What do you like? I'm pretty strong. Can you take that from your mother? Oh. So can you look at that sibling who didn't make it and tell that sibling, I see you and I give you a place with me. And that's your place. And this is my place. And now you can see them rearranging what's happening for them inside their body. And then quite often they can look at the mother and say, I get it. It was never about me. And I'm here. And mom, I see you. This is such sensitive work. I'm wondering 
how you do this. You sound joyful. You sound excited and eager to help people make these connections. Is that, did you develop that over time? Was this challenging for you when you first started doing this work in terms of not getting emotionally sucked in or being afraid? Because a lot of what you're doing is pretty confrontational and these are deep, sensitive, shadowy issues. How do you do that? How do you stay very (laughs) grounded and facilitate that for people? So the first thing about this work is it's non-judgmental and that creates a very safe space for everybody. I look at the mother, I look at the child, I look at the different representatives. There is no judgment. It's simply what is. We are walking into a puzzle and we're looking at what's there. We're walking into a system. Mm -hmm. Second, I know that I'm in service of this person and their system, and it's not mine to intrude in. So I'm walking with them, but I'm not entangling in it. And I think Bert was pretty clear when he explained that you don't take on other people's baggage. You stay very clean as a facilitator. I've got to be able to walk in when somebody tells me something like, my mother murdered my father, or I mean, I've heard it all. Right. And look at that person and go, so what happened here? Not, oh my goodness. Because right. if I go, oh my goodness, the shock echoes through to them. So for me, it's very much about standing in what we call the knowing field. So the knowing field is the repository of all that has ever happened or not happened, all the family lineages, all the family trees, all the millions and millions of them, and all the wisdom that's contained in them. And when you tap into that, and people do as representatives, by the way, which quite often freaks them out the first time they do. But when you tap into that, you understand that you have access to the system. And so what I do is I've learned very quickly, I have no answers. The system has the answers, and the client has the answers. And my job is to walk with them so that those answers and patterns can surface. And so the pattern that needs to stop can do that. And the pattern that's trying to start can activate. And it's pretty incredible to watch what people do with it. Do I have a sense of what's happened? Possibly. Do I hold on to it? Absolutely not. It's not mine. Do you feel that you were born for this work that you took to it naturally or did you have to develop that ability over time I think a lot of it I'd grown up within South Africa I had a mother who is who is very intuitive and a father as well and a grandfather and grandmother who were much the same and who really taught us kindness and understanding which helped Mm -hmm. did I have to grow some of it yes I'll tell you what was the most difficult for me was not having the answers walking into situations and thinking I should have the answers. No, you cannot. In this work, it is so experiential and it is so present that you cannot have the answers because if you do, you're going to actually be blind to what's trying to emerge. If you stay completely open, you're going to see the most incredible things emerge because they are allowed to. And so I've learned to stand in the field and just allow what what needs and wants to surface to do that because it has a purpose. And so people, when they walk away, I also am very clear about leaving people in a space, no matter what has happened in the constellation, they will still stay in a place where they know. And here's what 
I can do. Sometimes they'll say to me, but I didn't get all the way through. See, I told you I was going to fail. And my question is, have you ever gotten this far? Mm. Uh, well, then you didn't fail, did you? You took a step and there may be another piece to do, but you took a step and the minute you took a step, everything changed. It cannot be the same again. It can't. You created momentum. You created momentum. And in that momentum, you took one new thought. You had one new feeling. You took one step. Everything has just changed. It's not the same. The field of knowing. I want to remember that is why it's, I just, yeah, it's called the knowing field. The yeah. knowing field. The, the knowing, knowing field. field. That's it. The field of all that ever has been and ever was. And it, it depends on you because you add to it. Everything you add becomes part of the knowing field and is passed down to those who come after you. And then it's their turn to open up the magic box. And it is a magic box. This is so cool. Do you teach other people how to do this work? Not I just do. through the book, but like you actually create new, what, what would you call them? Facilitators? Facilitators. Yes, I do. I teach people how to do this. And actually the purpose of the book was because so many people, when they come to an event, they look at it and they go, whoa, this is magic. I could never do this. This is impossible. How do they know what, what I'm, how do they know what's in my family system? How did they know to say that? If you understand this work, it is both, and I say to people, it is deeply transformational, but absolutely logical. So I teach the theory, the logic, what you're seeing, how you can understand it, what the person is bringing you in their language, because every single one of us has a completely unique language that is talking all the time about who you are, what's difficult for you, and what's trying to emerge for you. So you've got to learn to be able to listen to that. And that's also why I wrote the book, so that people could go to the book and see okay, this is not some woo-woo out there thing. This is really genuinely doable. And I can start my path using this book and diving into this. I can actually make things happen for me. But yes, I do teach people. I teach classes throughout the year. And I have a flagship one that I do at Disney. So, so there's one in, in August in, in Dallas. And that's the foundational piece of this work. It teaches you all the nuts and bolts of this work, how it works, how it came to be, how you use it, how you can use it in your own work or your career. And then at Disney this year, I do a Disney one every year. I told them I would teach those ones only at Disney. And this year, it's capability and resilience DNA. We've been through the pandemic but blindly for most of us, we have no idea of all of the capabilities we've acquired or the resilience that's there. And it's time to mindfully and consciously wire it into your brain and your body so you can use it and elevate. Are you doing this in Florida? I am. From November the 10th through the 13th, I am so doing it in Florida. Okay, so... Is this something people listening right now can sign up for if they want to? Yes, it is. It's busy going up now. It'll probably be up within the next week if it's not already up. Oh, this but will yes, air. This will air after it goes up then. That's great. 
because it'll be up and people can absolutely sign up for it. I make every module I do so that it doesn't matter whether you're a raw beginner or you've done a lot of this work, it's going to be highly beneficial for you. And it will explain what we're doing so that people don't feel like they're out of their depth. And after they've watched one or two constellations unfold, they very quickly understand what's happening. Yeah. I just wanted to ask about that specifically because I feel like your book is amazing for anybody who wants to learn how to do their, this work on their own. But I know so many people listening right now, they're healers. They're people that do work that is what would I say? It's like uh, related to this in some way. Right. And I, I could, I could imagine them being like, ding, ding, ding. How do I sign up for this? I can, I can see some people gravitating toward your facilitation, teaching people how to do this work. Absolutely. And I love working with, with my facilitators. They're good groups of people. I will also tell you that I also have world first two constellations meditations that were created with an award-winning Grammy producer and composer. And they take you all the way through a constellation, one on the, in the line of the mother and one in the line of the father. Oh, where do we do this? That you also go onto my website and you will find them there. Can you tell, I'm going to link to this, but for people listening on the go, can you tell them the URL? So I've dropped that into your chat box for you. There you go. Okay, let me see if I can grab that. Judy Wilkins-Smith.com slash products. Perfect. <laughs> okay, so we can purchase these guided meditations. You can. Can we define constellation? I know we've just had this whole conversation without really defining it, but I feel like that's important. Super important. So Typically, a constellation is like you see in the sky. Every single star has its place. Now, in a constellation, what we're talking about is, for example, in a family constellation, it would be all the members of the family system. And what we do is, as I explained to you, we set them up in spatial relationship to one another so that you can see how your family system relates to one another, who's distant, who's with you, who's, who's out of the circle. And we set that up in 3D. And the reason we do that is because you're then connecting multiple senses. Now you're seeing it, feeling it, hearing it, walking in it, tasting it, touching it literally. And so you have this 3D experience of your whole system and of what's happening in it with respect to the issue that you bring. That is a constellation. It is a living breathing, evolving family tree. And this is a system that you can tap into. This is a system you can tap into. And by the way, I use it in organizations too, because organizations have DNA, just like we do, emotional DNA. And so when they get stuck, they call me in and we go and we plot it out and we walk it in 3D. And this is CEOs, CFOs, COOs. They are all walking with me. We're looking they're telling me what they notice. You'll hear them say, of course, we can't have that there. That one's in the wrong place and they'll move it. And so they get to play with it as though they were in virtual reality. And then they have a picture of both the issue, the possibility, the direction. They can see the obstacles. They can see the potential. And they get to kind of test drive it to see, well, if we move this over here, then what happens here? 
And this is the same as what, what you will see in a family constellation. So you are having a deeply embodied experience of your system, which is why you're able to rewire in the moment. Yeah, because it's sensory. And I love too that, you know, the work environment or the environment of this organization, it's informed by your family of origin system. But then exactly. also, but then also that work environment has the potential to then expand your understanding of those family systems. And it just they inform each other. You're exactly right. Often what we won't work out in one pops up in the other one with a pretty little bow and says, are you going to look now? Mm. Yeah. So they help each other out a lot. This is thrilling. Thank you so much. I feel grateful that you shared all of this with us. And I'm more than happy to encourage people to run, run and get decoding your emotional blueprint. If anything we've been saying here is interesting to you. Thank you so much for having me. It is lovely to be able to share. And I, I can only say again, you are a remarkable life if you know how to see it. This is not airy fairy. If you want to change, this is a way you can do that. If you want to change, can we leave people with one tip? for beginning this work, just walking away from this conversation? Yes. Put down the chips <laughs> and pick up the strengths and pick up the possibilities. Pick up the possibilities. How interesting was that? I know you must have been interested. If you're still listening right now, if you want to check out Judy's work, there will be links in the show notes on my website, joannadevoe.com, where you will also find a link to my Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, that is the best way to do that. I offer two tiers. One is called the Bebo Effect. Beauty in, beauty out. That is a dedicated podcast that I do every month. And then there is the Journey tier. I also do a podcast for that. And each month, we work with a different tarot card. We're going through an entire 78-card tarot deck. I am creating printable coloring page downloads of each tarot card that I am illustrating for each month of this journey. It's a seven-year-long journey, and you don't have to join me for all of that. You can just pop in for a month and support that way if you want to. It's a really fun community that you get to tap into. We have a private Discord server for chatting about all things tarot and magic and life. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be hosting this podcast. I'm happy to get to know you all through social media. And those of you that reply to my newsletters, thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate you all so much. And until we meet again, always remember... Life is change, change is magic, therefore magic is life, and the journey is the creation. Much love to you. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.